Welcome to season three of Brown on Brand, where we delve into the fine details of how to market your brand in the age of social media. As always, I'm your host, Matthew Brown, and today I'm joined by marketing mastermind and special guest, Maribel Laura, head of consulting at the Sasha Group. Maribel, thank you for joining us for our season three premiere. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm going to need a t-shirt that says marketing mastermind on it. Yeah, I want to start off really uh, just by talking a little bit about the Sasha Group and your role as head of consulting. Sure. So Sasha Group is a VaynerX company that launched in January of 2019 um, with a bunch of veterans from the VaynerX world, right? So I started at VaynerMedia in 2014 when it was only VaynerMedia and it was a dedicated social media shop, which is like how Gary entered the industry. Um, over time, we evolved, right? So broader digital, um, broader marketing, marketing and media. So creative and media under one roof. Um, one of the itches that Gary wasn't scratching within the Vayner Media world was really wanting to continue working with small to mid-market businesses or you know what we call challenger brands even um, brands that were looking for growth um, Vayner Media was really built to service fortune 500 brands and that's a very different type of marketing right it's a different type of account service eventually started to dabble in what marketing services could look like for these clients and he had different degrees of success with like those offering we found ourselves having some like really viable products um one of those is the mentors program which is how we met right it was a three-year mm -hmm. consulting offering um really geared towards companies that were established. So we had started to do that. We had our 4Ds program, which was a one-day intensive to teach people how we make the sausage, right? How our approach to digital marketing. Um, and we also had this program called Vayner Beta. We were, we were dabbling in marketing services. So we decided, Gary decided, um, that he had all the right pieces in play and that he had the right talent under his roof that was looking for a new challenge that he could start a new company that focused on those types of brands. And so that's where Sasha came from. Got it. And where's the heart logo come from? Uh, it was actually created by uh, Chris Logson, who is a creative director at the Sasha Group. So Chris is our guru when it comes to um, visual branding. And, um, you know, for him, it was really a nice nod to a couple of things. One, um, you know, Gary talks a lot about empathy and culture. Um, and so that it was a nice nod to that, but also you know, the love that is represented in the fact that the Sasha group is named after Gary's dad, right? So it was a nod to his roots um, and his love for what his roots in business were, um, the nod to his dad. Um, and at the end of the day, how we operate, right? So as, as people yep. get to know us, um, we're not in it um, to just sell, right? We don't want to sell people things that they don't need. We want to sell them services that are going to do right by them and that they're going to see great results for. And so we are um, as okay with turning away business as we are getting business, because when you do right by people, like they'll come back later on, right? Like when we are the right offering for them, um, I think they're going to trust in that and come back to us later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of obviously you're mentioning the name Gary Vaynerchuk. And if you're watching my show, you better know who Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> is. That's how Maribel and I met. And I'm just a huge fan. I, I love everything that that he really brings to entrepreneurial spirit. And I was hopeful you were going to tell me it was the Hancock logo that you guys plagiarized. <laughs> but, you know, it's just as good. 
the uh so I, I i you know i have to touch on it right the have things changed um with your approach or gary's approach or your sense of what you should be doing with the pandemic i guess it's a rhetorical question but i you know i want to touch on you know we're you know now and i'll date this thing right so we're in october of 2020 and mm -hmm. we've got several months under our belt we've got an election close the has the pandemic changed the approach with the consulting side of helping these businesses and you know can you talk to that yeah um we had to pivot really quickly right as you know while not all of our clients so um we have offices in new york chattanooga tennessee and los angeles so we've got mm -hmm. people on the ground in those three places and physical office space in those three places um in particular like on the consulting front we were very much about having to be in the room with our clients and our clients were not just based in those cities where we have offices they were from all over the country and also international. So immediately we had to think through how do we continue to provide our consulting services when we can't meet in person with our clients, right? As part of mentors, you remember us flying down to Tampa and spending time with you. We spent two days with you guys, listening into meetings, right? Having workshops with you, like very hands-on, spending yeah. some time with you after the fact so that we could get to know your team. How do you continue to operate when that is no longer an option, right? And, and won't be right. an option for the considerable future. Um, so we probably spent about two to three weeks um, starting mid-March when stay-at-home orders started in New York City in particular, um, thinking through how do we adapt consulting to still work? And so how do we take these workshops that we are accustomed to doing in the room with the client and continue to make them engaging, right? Maybe four hours is too much. Four hours is too much to be on a Zoom call. And so how do we break this up into multiple workshops? Maybe what used to be a full day kickoff is actually a two-part kickoff, right? And so how do I break that up? Um, how do I still get participation when I can't have when I can't hand someone a stack of post-it notes and a marker, yeah. we spent two to three weeks really putting together what does a workshop look like on Zoom, digging into what are all the tools that I have at my disposal on that platform, what are different ways that I prompt engagement. So even like when I start a workshop specifically as opposed to a presentation on Zoom, I have to tell people the ground rules are you need to leave your volume on and you need your camera on. And we are okay with dogs jumping on your lap, which might happen later when my husband comes back home. No, I hope it does. We're Right. Like we're okay with kids in the background. We're okay with your kids coming up to you and asking you for a hug. Like we want all of that because mm -hmm. this is about like energy and engagement. And so like, we need you on, we need to see your face. We need to see your reactions to things. We need to have a conversation here. So like from the first few minutes where we're setting the ground rules, things have changed. Um, you know, you, you have to go back to thinking through like what's necessary and what's not. Um, I think we will always from this point forward offer our consulting offerings virtually because it's cost savings for the client. They no mm -hmm. longer have to travel to us um, or pay for us to travel to them. And so I think you have to continue to offer that to people. So that may be something like we'll go back to it if a client wants it, but it will no longer be a mandatory. How did I know that you would have something so creative that you would turn that into you know, the workshops that we dealt with, like you said, that where we broke out the highlighters and you were trying to extract from so many different personalities, things that you needed to know as a consultant to 
kind of set things on rails for these companies and give guidance. So it's amazing um, that you've been able to do that in a remote environment and not only do it in a remote environment, but now questioning and scratching your head going, wow, can we use this as an opportunity for this to be the standard? Yeah, it definitely broadens out who our client can be. Like we've probably done more international workshops in the last six months than we did in the 18 months prior because we're not limited by folks having to get on a plane anymore, right? Like that's it, that's a significant expense when you have to factor into that cost of something so it's more accessible. You know, I love it. The Going into this, I've fought remote employees forever tooth and nail as a ceo i don't know if it was part control freak or part that i was just ignorant to how not knowing efficient yeah not knowing how efficient that can be so you know that's that's it's good to hear and i and i love to hear the stories about how companies have been able to adapt and certainly in a consulting i knew if anybody can be creative and find that role it'd be you shifting um and i've also another like topic i want to bring up you know, what should brands be doing with this political climate? We're so close to the election. You know, the country's so divided. There's everybody has an opinion. I don't know that you could convince anybody one way or the other. Are you, you know, telling brands to stay on point, stay away from the politics, the, you know, like what's the, what's the advice that we would get on that? Twofold. Um, One is stay on brand, right? So does this should this matter to your brand i i use this company all the time but patagonia is like the easy example here right they talk about climate change um right mm -hmm. they they are all about um reusing resources like recycled materials for their clothing it makes sense that they put a stake in the ground in the election right? They're going to put a stake in the ground. And it makes sense that they would support a party um, because these parties and these candidates have something to say around climate change, right? And so they can, they, like, what those policies are really do mean something to who they are at the brand. It makes sense that they would right. say something, right? Um, if you're a brand that doesn't, right? Um, politics isn't like you don't have any issues that are sort of central to how you operate, then it's not a mandatory for you. Um, mm -hmm. However, you do have people who work in your company, right? And it's, I think we can all say, regardless of like where you stand on issues and where you stand on this election, people are super passionate about what's about to happen. Um, and so you likely have employees who are on both sides of the fence. And so how will you take care of your employees, right? Like, how are you still creating space? Um, you know, are you giving people the day off, um, even if you traditionally, haven't given people the day off to vote, right? Like, are you giving them space to do something that is important to them? And notice I didn't say which direction, right? Yeah. Like, just give people the space to do it, give them the voice to talk about things in a nonpartisan way, right? Like getting out the vote is a nonpartisan message, as long Absolutely. as you're not dictating like who you should be supporting. Um, but yeah, this is having implications. You, you know, you can't tell me that people aren't watching these debates and sort of out of it the next day, mm -hmm. right? Or or hearing news and not out of it. And so, you know, oh, at you the hear end, the chatter. Yeah, at the end of yeah. the day, we are all reliant 
on how our teams do, right? How successful we are as companies is based on like how well our teams are able to operate. Um, and so you cannot neglect the impact of what's happening in the world and the impact that that has on them psychologically and in terms of their motivation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I hadn't even thought about, um, the brands that have a stake in the game that might use, you know, renewable resources or, you know, whatever. So the planet friendly is just a natural approach to be on brand anyway. So the importance of staying on brand, being a technology company. And as you remember, I serve customers that are all over the aisle when it comes to politics. So outdoor equipment to lifestyle brands. Um, and it is, it's, uh, you know, it's something that's, I've never seen it so boiled up and, and I just, really wanted your, you know, your approach on that. So thank you. Thank you. Since the beginning of the pandemic, have there been any smart marketing strategies you've witnessed that's caught your attention? Yeah, I think constraint forces people to be creative. And so you see some really cool things. Um, I pay a lot of attention to the food space. I'm a food lover, right? Both eating out and eating in. Um, and I think a lot of food brands have done interesting things. So, you know, really early on seeing restaurants package up things that were in their pantry and not moving off the shelves fast enough and pulling together kits uh, with recipes, right? Instructions on, on how to prepare that at home, I thought was really clever. Um, you know, new uses for, for certain things. I've seen fashion brands pivot, right? Brands that were focused on um, workwear when people aren't really going into offices or having meetings expand their lines and things think through things that are actually comfortable to work to to wear at home or that are going to be seen on a zoom call right so maybe accessories were not your thing before but this is the frame <laughs> that people have of what my outfit yeah. is so like you have no idea what is below this jacket but yep. like if i had a you know if i had a scarf on or my earrings my necklace like fashion is still a thing. It's just how we look at it is is slightly different. And so I've been really impressed by, you know, brands who have launched new things. Um, there's an apron company named Hadley and Bennett that I hadn't heard of before, but like made lists on, on what their masks were. And they very quickly like changed production um, to masks. Um, super impressed by companies that, you know, transitioned to making PPE, like, all of those super quick pivots are really like admirable, like yeah. to because it it's easy enough to be consumed by the fear of how long is this going to last and what's going to happen, um, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of people I think decided to like wait for it to pass because they thought that it might be a month or two, and here we are more than six months in. Yes, I would have never guessed, and I don't saw think anybody saw this coming, and. The pivots for businesses is, you know, it's been amazing. And to watch the restaurants even, and I know there's a stark contrast between Florida and New York, and we could make a whole, you know, show out of that. Right. But, but, the, uh, but we'll stay away from that. <laughs> a lot of businesses, right, for us are somewhat restarting and resetting. And it reminds me a lot of our uh, retailers that might have a seasonal type business. And it's a tough thing to get the the blood flowing again in marketing. What are some common mistakes you see a lot of companies, you know, pursue when they're starting to revisit or reignite that marketing strategy? And we're getting that a lot right now from retailers mm -hmm. that might've been, oh, wait a minute, we don't know what's gonna happen. 
you know, we're going to put funds on hold. Uh, you know, hopefully not a lot of businesses have witnessed it, but I know in the technology space, there were a lot of people that were scared and they wanted to conserve cash. The purse strings are starting to loosen again. Do you have any advice on that revisiting and that restartup? Uh, slow and steady, right? I don't, I don't think you have to put all of your eggs in one basket. Um, it's a time for experimentation, right? Oftentimes, uh, the platforms that are newer um, are going to be cheaper opportunities for you to play. Everything is new, right? Like all of the rules have gone out the window. So if you weren't willing to experiment before, like now would be a time to do it. You see a lot of platforms offering credit for people to try them for the first time. Like, I don't know how many times I have been served TikTok ads um, on Instagram, right? Offering credits for entrepreneurs or small businesses to give those ads a try. Um, now could be a really interesting time to try podcast advertising, right? Like make it, maybe reaching out to some smaller podcasts and finding out what it would cost to get a, you know, an ad read over the course of that podcast because their audience aligns with yours. Um, we're seeing discounts on certain things that weren't discounted before. So like now is the time to experiment. Um, another way to do that is new features on existing platforms. So we've probably all seen uh, Instagram launching reels, right? LinkedIn has launched stories, um, which kind of looks like Instagram stories. Um, some people have now gotten access, more people have gotten access to voice tweets on Twitter, right? Like try all of that stuff because when a platform launches new features, um, the platforms are trying to give those features a lot of attention, which means they're giving them weight in their algorithms. More people are gonna see them. You have less competition because not as many people are experimenting, right? That, that group of early movers in experimentation on those new features is small. So the likelihood of you being seen is greater. Um, and you're also gonna have a leg up, like once it gets adopted by more people, you're going to have more knowledge of that feature under your belt. Yeah, definitely. And obviously falling into the kind of Gary, um, you know, scenario of saying document, right. Instead of, you know, creating all this content and try these different platforms and different things are going to work for, you know, different businesses, et cetera. So just right in line with that. Yeah. And you're seeing more people launch podcasts, which is great. And it yeah. makes sense because more people are listening to them, right? Like, so many of us um, are so tapped out on looking at a screen by the end of the workday that audio is kind of nice, right? Like not only have I listened to podcasts, but I've probably listened to more streaming radio than I had a long in a long time. And I think that's yeah. true for a lot of people. So, you know, not just podcasts, but maybe you get look, you know, find out what it would cost to get an ad on your local radio station because more people mm. are doing that. Yeah, kind of like the mailbox getting lighter in the local communities, yeah. taking advantage of some of those things. So shifting a little bit, speaking of new uh, platforms, um, you know, TikTok averted a ban in the United States last week when a federal judge ruled that Washington couldn't block it from the App Store just yet. The you, you have any thoughts really on uh, TikTok or a lot of you know any experience with you know how that's working for businesses adapting to TikTok? Yeah, you know I there's really nothing we can do. And it's the risk we run with any platform, right? Um, Facebook could decide it's no longer a free platform tomorrow, 
And, you know, all of a sudden people stop using it the way that they have been using it. Um, it's why we diversify and encourage other brands to diversify where their presence is, mm-hmm. right? There is a real danger in putting all of your eggs in one basket um, from a content perspective, from an advertising perspective. Um, the more nimble you are, the more experimental you are, it actually benefits you because, you know, if TikTok is gone at some point, um, if you're diversified, you're going to be okay, right? Right. Like those people who are on TikTok right now, if they're not going to be on it in the same way, or if it's not going to be allowed in the US, you know, that's, they're going to be on Reels and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be back on Snapchat or, you know, continue to be on Snapchat. They might go back. They're going to migrate to other channels. Yeah, definitely. It seems like, you know, even though the White House has been pounding on TikTok because of the ties to China, the, you know, the, you know, the, people that are on TikTok the most, they don't seem to be phased by it. I know my kids, I have teenage daughters, they're on it and they're just like, oh my God, you know, really, you know, we're going <laughs> to, so it, they don't seem to be phased by it. You know, obviously they're doing a lot of advertising in the U S now yeah. I saw TV commercials on it. So. Yeah. I think it'll come back as a U.S. company with another name, but very quickly people realize, oh, like this is exactly like TikTok. We're all going to go here or they'll be back on Instagram. And look at how quickly TikTok became a thing. It was really fast. Out of nowhere. And just, and a a platform of different uses. It's amazing the imagination that comes out of, you know, a lot of it originated as dancing and, you know, businesses are gearing towards influencers. So it's amazing to watch the transformation of it. And I'm almost an old guy now in this game just to keep up with the number of channels. No, I'm with you. It's uh, it's really also interesting how the last six months um, has reintroduced platforms. Like the one that sticks out for me is House Party, right? People started to talk about House Party. They're like, oh, you can play games. Like we're doing a House Party date. And when I went to log in, or I was just like, oh, I have this already. I totally forgot that I had an account on it, which I think was about two years old. I hadn't touched the platform in that amount of time. And all of a sudden it had a resurgence. Yeah, definitely. We talked politics and we did it quite politely. We did. And I'll tell you, I find, I think you and I are probably more on the same side of the fence. So I don't want to get slaughtered today by, you know, some of my customers. No need. Just go out and vote. Well, Hey, as always Maribel, I really appreciate it. And I know you're busy and I, can't tell you how much I appreciate you just carving out a piece of your schedule. It's always pleasant to hear from you. You've got great advice. If you haven't, you know, been able to pay attention, everybody should know who Gary is, but everybody should also know who the Sasha group is. It's made up of a wonderful bunch of people that want to help businesses. They're in it for the right reason. Um, they've just been an amazing resource for us um, in a number of reasons and helped us do a number of things, not just on the business, but on the, on the personal side too. So we love you from Florida, Maribel. And I, I lots of love for you from New York City, Matt. Thank you so much. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us for the season three premiere. Really looking forward to this new season and our special guests. Please visit us anytime at thumbstopper.fm or wherever podcasts can be found. Thank you. <laughs>